0: Well, welcome, everybody, to Dropping Keys, conversations and insights about life, leadership, love, and whatever else we get into. I'm Joel Morgan, your co-conspirator, and I'm the head of key exploration. I'm a certified professional coach and facilitator who seeks to inspire meaningful conversations to move people, communities, and organizations forward. If you're interested in what that means, reach out to me or schedule a consultation call. Would love to talk with you about that. What you've just opened up is an A volume. It's an extension of the previous conversation where I take a deeper dive into one or more of the keys dropped in that volume. In this case, it's a complement to volume 16 with co-conspirator Dana Walters. This is volume 16A. Let me back up a minute. Dropping keys, which is the centerpiece of this podcast, is the title of a poem by Hafez a 14th century mystic and poet. And here it is. The small man builds cages for everyone he knows. While the sage who has to duck his head when the moon is low, keeps dropping keys all night long for the beautiful rowdy prisoners. Now, if you haven't listened to volume 16, I of course invite you to engage the conversation I had with Dana. These conversations just take on a different kind of life when I go back and listen to them again. I'm so grateful for my co-conspirators and would love for you, dear listener, to uh, recommend some folks to me. Drop me an email at, joel at joelmorgan.com. And if you love this podcast, it would it'd be great if you would give it some love by going to joelmorgan.com backslash pay, P-A-Y, and helping to support its production without commercials except this one, of course. Now on to volume 16A. In our conversation in volume 16, Dana referenced Viktor Frankl, who wrote this. Between stimulus and response is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. This quote has been surfacing quite a bit in my world these days. I'm not exactly sure why, except for the past 18 months or so, and definitely for the past three, I've been seeking to widen the time between stimulus and response. I've been seeking to widen and lengthen that space to stop, to pause. But let me ruminate just a little bit on this. So as we listen to this quote, as we think about our lives, there's an event, there's always stimulus, there's always something happening um, around us, in us, someone says something, texts something, shares something online, you see a video, a news report, you know, you're just walking along, you see somebody walking, or you see a bird flip by, or or whatever it is, there's something, something happens, there's stimulus that is going on all the time, and then, of course, underneath all of that, there's... What seems like in our world now, and maybe it's always been this way a little bit, there's this ever-present hum of anxiety, of restlessness, maybe even of fear, disquietude underneath the surface. And maybe we actually only feel like 10% of that underneath the surface stuff, but we're absorbing 100% of it because it's not just what's happening with us, it's what's happening around us in, in the atmosphere almost. And most of us probably aren't rec- really recognizing it and doing much about it. So that anxiety feeds into the stimulus that we're having all the time. And so there's this stimulus and that stimulus happens and the stimulus immediately kicks your emotional and your physiological system into gear, depending on what the stimulus is. Your physical system is already responding by sending out hormones or speeding up your heart rate or tensing your muscles, making your skin harder in case you're under threat. And then almost immediately you make some sort of judgment about this stimulus on a basic level. It's, it's a one or zero, it's good or bad. And then that's when your emotions get involved somewhere in the areas of the, the five biggies, right? Anger, sadness, joy, or happiness, fear, and shame. And you haven't even processed a thought yet. Really? Not a conscious thought anyway, so as we think about that, like, it seems like there isn't a space that is contrary to what Frankel was saying, that, that, we, that we have the stimulus and then it's like, boom. So where is it? Well, one might think as we look back on, on life and history that perhaps there was more space in years past, that life moved at a slower pace. I mean, now with the ubiquity of cell phones and social media, we, we do seem to have less space than ever. Now, historians would tell you and those who've, who studied the ancient world and read um, those texts would tell you that if you read Marcus Aurelius or other folks of, of that kind of um, timeline, that many of the issues we have today are the same. And many of the thought patterns and the struggles that we have are the same. Now, I do want to say, at least in my experience, and this may not be your experience, that, that social media texting, Slack, quote unquote, being in touch, available 24-7, takes away space in between that stimulus and response, or it can when we allow it to. Our bodies are designed to get that dopamine. And I'm sure you've heard about this, that our cell phones and the way they ding and the notifications and all that are, are really keyed into Really keyed into our visceral system, and so when you hear that ding, you want to get that hit. You want to see that thing. When you see that like, when you see that someone said something, you want to go right to it. It's almost like a compulsion because it feeds us in some strange way. And then and think about now how we schedule ourselves. Like in this pandemic, with with you know Zoom calls, video calls, whatever system you're using, we schedule these calls for an hour on the hour. What is wrong with us? Like, how do you go from, you know, the 11 o'clock call to the 12 o'clock call, you know, at 1159 and 59 seconds, and you just switch over and you go to that and you haven't even processed what that other call was about, what that other meeting was about. You haven't had any space. And then we think we're going to perform optimally. I mean, seriously, we have some pretty smart people running organizations today. What? is wrong with us just that zoom thing just doesn't make sense to me at all and yet i end up often in the same sort of thing here's another interesting thing uh you know it used to be back in the day the pause button was a separate button from the play button that's an interesting thing i don't know what to make of it but now to pause you hit play or it changes to the pause button i find that kind of interesting because that's exactly what we have to do we have to pause play In order to pause, in order to create the space. Now, in terms of actual physical personal space, at least in the West or at least in America, uh, most of us have more space than we've ever known. In human history, about, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, I read a report that a family of four had four times the personal space in their home than they did 50 or 60 years prior. Four times the personal space. I mean. Think about this. Just just in a generation or two, we've gone from children sharing a room to children not sharing a room, to having their own personal space. Heck, a lot of kids have their own TV. They're doing their classes in their room away from everybody else. We are further apart physically in some sense But we seem to have less mental space. There's less time, it seems like, between the stimulus and the response. I mean, and that's there's some expectations there as well. When you text someone, especially someone you really care about, no matter what may be going on with them that day, even if you know or don't know, do you expect that they're going to respond right away? Think about those response times, how quickly we now expect people to respond. Now, first responders, right? It's in the name. OK, we get that. They're, they're going to they go right away. But think about politicians now within this 24 hour news cycle. If something happens, they're expected to respond on Twitter immediately. Their people are their, their publicists are supposed to put something out, you know, within five minutes, probably or less. They they are not supposed to take time to think. Because supposedly we think they're so smart that they can just they can just wheel off the top of their head all the time. and what does this lead to? Not great text, not great tweets. I mean just read some of them. Think about the ones you've been sending out if you're just responding to people. Now think about teachers and schools teachers and schools are under a similar pressure. Forget trying to figure out what's actually going on. I mean in a lot of schools we've moved to one strike and you're out, you know we're suspending kids more quickly than ever, and some of them, maybe, maybe they do need to get suspended. I don't want to get into that, but, but we expect administrations, we expect um, folks to be able to move super quickly to respond. We think that they ought to have the answers right away. Now, here's one of my pet peeves. In terms of mental health, response to mental health crisis, we move slow. We move slow. Somebody, somebody's having a mental health crisis. We'll bring in, we'll bring in the first responders. We'll bring in the police, but we're super slow to get people who are really having a mental health crisis the help that they actually need. That's a completely different podcast. So, so where's this space? What is this space that Frankel is referring to? Well, if I could define it a little bit, that's the space where. Transformation and change can happen. And just think about it. If you work out regularly, it's not when you work out that you get stronger or faster. It's in the space after and between those workouts. In the workouts, you're breaking yourself down. You're actually making yourself slower if you're a runner. And it's in between when when your muscles learn and they grow in that space, in that pause, in that recovery, it's where you rebuild and where you recover. That's where you get the greatest gains. And then those get to get demonstrated the next time you go work out or run or whatever it is you do. The space is there. It just doesn't feel like it because we don't train our minds or our lives to take that time. We have to create the pause, to train ourselves to take advantage of that space. When I was a personal trainer, I I found out very quickly, there were certain kinds of athletes, especially runners, yes, you runners out there, who don't take time to pause training, especially if you're injured. And some people don't pause training because they're so gung-ho and then they get injured. And they become over, or they just become a little overtrained and they wonder why they aren't getting the, the gains that they want. Their bodies don't perform optimally because they've spent too long and too hard putting stimulus in place, and then often it breaks down. And then, if you don't go back and take time, you're not going to get better. You need that pause to recover and get stronger. Athletes have to discipline themselves or have someone around them to help them put that kind of pause, that kind of rest and recovery in place and to honor it and to trust it. To trust it. In the book, Inner Will by Dr. Thomas Epperson, he writes about the pause needed between an event and the choice that we make. It's, he quotes Frankel as well and reminds us that we have to choose to pause. We have to leverage that, that space and let it breathe. He notes that this is where we get a difference between unconscious choice, choices made without the pause, and conscious choices, those made with a pause. Generally, it's these conscious choices that show our growth and our values and lead to better outcomes. This space, this place of pause is where we reflect on the outcome we desire from whatever it is we're about to do or how we're about to respond and hopefully strategize how we might affect that outcome that we want. I mean, it just seems so simple, right? Just pause, just take a second, just take a beat, but just think for a second, pause for a second here. How often are you doing it? How often when that text comes in, are you actually stopping reading it, reading it again, reading it again, taking a moment, then responding? What about that email? When it comes in, what are you doing with it? Especially the one where they didn't understand what you said, or you, you worked for three hours on this, that spreadsheet, and you sent it, and they're like, this is not good enough, and you're just ready to launch. I mean, it seems so simple, but it, you know, I reflect on recent events and my responses, and I easily see glaring examples of where I didn't pause, I didn't utilize that space, and maybe I don't necessarily regret what happened, but I know I would have had a better outcome or certainly felt better about what transpired had I taken a moment to just pause, step away, think through, what are you going to say? What are you going to do? How are you going to interact? So what might we use if we're going to try to do this? What might we use the pause for? Well, how about just resting? I mean, that's a big one, right? But just resting. How about, how about we pause with curiosity you know, there's that great, the Ted Lasso quote that's, that's uh, um, you know, be curious, not judgmental. Be curious, not judgmental. Like, and, um, you know, Dana talked about curiosity a lot. What if we use the pause for not knowing, for not trying to figure out what we know, but why don't we just go, well, I just don't know. And that's okay. What if we use this pause for what I call uncovery? That's my, my little shorthand about recovery, which, I think really is about uncovering what's beneath the surface and dealing with it. What if we use this pause for wonder? That's one of the beautiful things that I learned as a facilitator with um, circles of trust is when it gets hard, turn to wonder. I wonder why I'm feeling this way. I wonder why I want to respond in this way. I wonder why they're responding in that way. I wonder what's going on with them. I wonder what's going on inside of me. What if we use this pause for joy? I don't mean happy, happy, joy, joy. I mean, just joy, like, because there is joy everywhere. I love, I love there's a writing uh, uh, recently that came out of the Marginalian, um, and and she was writing about joy, and, and she said, you know, we need to choose joy like a like a toddler chooses to put on a shoe at first, it's really hard and uncomfortable and it's not super easy and it's kind of clunky, kind of like a, a, a kid begins to color or try to color inside the lines with a crayon. Like it's not easy and it doesn't work. And, but the more you do it, the more it just becomes part of what you do. Joy. It's all around us. We pause. What if we pause and we ask the question Am I too hungry, too angry, too lonely, or too tired? That that halt, H A L T that is part of the recovery movement. Am I too hungry, too angry, too lonely, or too tired? What if we what if we stop? And as Dana said, we we that great quote to let go of anything that doesn't serve you? What if we just pause and just let go of the things that don't serve us to open our minds? I mean, there's all kinds of things we can use that pause for. It, and it doesn't have to be hours and hours and hours. I mean, I've, I've worked on creating that pause through the practice of meditation. And I've linked in my meditation time to, you know, at least 30 minutes a day. Um, for a while there, I was doing 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes in the evening. And, and that sort of ebbs and flows a little bit. But that practice for me has often allowed me to pause. In the midst of other things and when do we need the pause well i mean come on it's easy right before speaking austin cleon has been uh, sharing some posts recently where he um where he he makes him a a temporary tattoo on his arm that says wait w-a-i-t why am i talking i love that so why do we need this pause um before speaking before writing a text Before writing an email, before hitting send, after receiving an email, after receiving a text, before going into a meeting, after having a meeting, before calling for a meeting. I mean, the list is endless about times when we need to pause. This is something we need in our life on a regular basis. We need to hit the play button so that it pauses. It's crucial for us to become more human with ourselves and with one another. So, how might we create it? How might we start to discipline ourselves? How about just stop? How about take a walk? As Austin Cleon writes in his in his book, you know, demons hate fresh air. Love that. How about we practice meditation, create some space around emotions and practice coming back to the breath? How about journaling? It's a great way to pause. Just write and write and write and write about what's going on in you and turn to wonder. How about just create some time to be alone for solitude and silence? How about create some time to get bored, to just get to a point where you're just like, you're not even really sure. and Maybe you're restless, but you're not engaging that restlessness. Maybe more practically, you set a timer to go off every half hour. That just makes you pause. And you have to and you have to pause for a minute or for two breaths, something. How about you just schedule your meetings, your hour long meetings for 50 minutes and then make sure you take the 10 minutes in between to just breathe, go, go walk around, go fill your cup, whatever you need to do. What if you just review your calendar and make some space if you have the ability to do that? Maybe. Maybe the beginning point actually is I should have started with was maybe ask yourself and ask others, what do I need? What do you need to help us be as fully present as possible right now? Because I think that's where this pause is so crucial is it's helping us be present with what's happening so that we're not forecasting the bad thing that's going to happen or protecting against our shame or our guilt or whatever is driving us. And the simplest thing that we can do to pause is just take a breath, breathe in, breathe out, maybe take a second one. Like so many things that lead to our health and our wholeness, it's not complicated really, but it's not simple either. It's not easy to put these things in place. We allow, we allow the pressures. We allow the expectations to drive us. And then it seems like we're incapable of embracing these simple practices. But I'm here to encourage you today. Pause. Take a breath. Take two. Use and leverage that space. Make a conscious choice. You'll be glad you did. Thanks, Dana. Thank you, Victor Frankel. And thank you, Dr. Epperson. And thank you for listening to Volume 16A of Dropping Keys. You can find me at joelmorgan.com or at joelmorgancc on Facebook and Instagram. You can find my book every single day on my website or Amazon. Drop me a note if this podcast connected with you or if you'd like to just talk about what it would mean for us to work together. And now may the sage drop the key to unlock the cage in which you find yourself. Until next time.